from the dark recesses of my unconscious mind into the glaring light of objective reality. You are listening to the Dark Mind Podcast. Friends and familiars, thank you for tuning in to another episode where we explore the boundless realm of dark literature and film. On today's show, we have a writer with a penchant for the paranormal. Her prose is poetic and her poetry is surreal. She's joining me today to talk about her debut novel, The Pain Eater, as well as the upcoming sequel, The Magic Man. So without further ado, join me as we delve into the dark insight of Lashane Arnett. Shane, welcome to the show. Hi, Vincent. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining me. When I first started reading The Pain Eater, I was not sure what to expect as far as how the story was going to progress. And I remained in that state of suspense all the way to the end. So you did a great job of keeping the reader guessing. And I really enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. I love that. I love hearing that. (laughs) (laughs) So... A very heavy element of the book is psi phenomena. You make mention of Sadie being psychic, but also get real specific with telekinesis, clairvoyance, and precognition. So where did your interest in psi phenomena come from, and do you have any experience with it in real life? Well, it absolutely came from my mom, (laughs) which is the reason why I put it in the book. Sadie's mom would test her when she was little. And my mom used to do that with us. She used to have us read cards, try to read minds. When Carrie came out, it was trying to bend spoons, mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> uh, my mom was very intuitive and she loved Star Trek and Twilight Zone and The Outer Limits, all of those shows and stuff. But she was very, very good at telling you things. Like she knew every time I was pregnant before I, she'd say, you're pregnant. <laughs> um There's a couple of incidences where she would know things like one day me and my sister were in the living room and we're watching television and the TV was muted and my mom was in the kitchen cooking. And we used to always watch like the Discovery Channels or Animal Kingdom, those kind of shows or How's It Made. They weren't called that back then, but those are the kind of shows we used to watch all the time. And my sister said, hey, mom, what do you think they're making on TV? Mm -hmm. And she was like, I don't know. Uh, race cars. 
They were making race cars <laughs> of all the random things. You know, we were like, how did you know that? You know, she just had that kind of intuition. And so she was always trying to get us to sharpen our mind power. So uh-huh. it really came from my mom. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So what was it you think, I mean, does it kind of run in the family? Is your mom like a singularity that just, <laughs> you know, I mean, where is that? No, she always was kind of, she was always kind of fascinated with those kind of things, you know, and so she just liked to talk to us about it, you know, and she used to say that she would stare at a spider and try to see how it would taste to eat the fly, you know, Mm -hmm. those kind of things. Like she wanted to be in the mind of the spider and like, you know, she was a writer too. So she kind of like had that. She also couldn't fathom that we could only use 10% of our brains. Like it's like, why do we only use 10% of our brains? So it's like, we have so much more potential as humans, you know? So she always just tried to have us cultivate that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You said she was a writer as well. What did she write? Was it? Yeah, she just wrote like poetry. My mom was very, very smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Very smart. She would write poetry. She was an artist. She used to write like calligraphy, stuff like that. She used to write songs that she would sing to us all the time. So mm-hmm. in that kind of capacity, she was a writer. Okay. Yeah. Well, I saw a post on your Instagram page where you mentioned that the model on the cover of your book is actually your daughter. Yes. So I clicked on her handle to get to her page, and she is an amazing artist. Yes, yes. And so we've talked about your mom having sciability, that running in your family to an extent. But as far as artistic ability, like writing, drawing, painting, and the like, does that run in the family? And if so, who else has the artistic ability and in what medium? (laughs) Um, Pretty (laughs) much everybody in my family, yes. (laughs) So you saw my daughter, and she's the artist. She's also a videographer and script writer. Mm. My oldest daughter is a makeup artist, and she's actually a really good writer, too. She just keeps it on blog form. And then, you know, I have two sets of twins. So Samantha, who's the artist who draws her twin brother is a musician and artist mm-hmm. and writer. And then I have the two sets of twins in the middle. They're boys. One's autistic. He's an animator. So he actually has a YouTube channel. It's JH Productions. He has like 35,000 followers. He's my autistic son. Very good. And then my other son, <laughs> Garth Jr., he's a photographer. He actually writes some fantasy. He like He's into D&D and stuff. And my sister's a writer. My brother is a painter. So yeah, mm, <laughs> it runs wow. in the family. <laughs> yeah, my brother started drawing when he was three. He would draw like realism. But then later in the years, he got into painting and so. Okay. And one of the one of the videos that I have from my poems, the Gray Sea, he actually did that painting. Oh wow! In it, okay. yeah, that I used it. So, yeah, so it runs in the family <laughs> for sure, one hundred percent. And my husband, he's a fabricator, whether it's welding or with carpentry. So the kids were bound to have it, <laughs> some mm. kind of artistic ability. So. Yeah, yeah, sounds very interesting. The, uh, yeah. The family reunions must be. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> They're fun. <laughs> Actually, it's more like, look at what I did. Look at what I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think everyone has the ability to express themselves artistically, mm-hmm. you know, so 
I love it. Yeah, I feel like a creative outlet is good for mental health. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like, especially, you know, not just in general, but especially if you do have something you're dealing with, like veterans and the like, post-traumatic yeah, stress absolutely. disorder. I mean, the therapy dogs, don't get me wrong, are great. But I feel like if those men and women got involved in something creative mm-hmm. to kind of like immerse themselves in and cathartically just kind of express themselves. Just kind of, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I feel and like. probably they'll rid themselves of some of that, you know, anguish and you know, angst and stuff that they have in there. I remember when the kids were young and you know they get upset and stuff, and I would always tell them, "Well, you could blast your music. I like you to express your emotions or write, do something to get it out. You know, you know, feel it. You know, don't punch holes in walls and throw stuff at mom, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, do it in an artistic yeah. way. Get it out that way. You know, and it helps. It helps a lot." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the romance or romantic dynamic between Sadie and Adrian was very elaborate and well done, almost to the point of being kind of familiar. So <laughs> I was curious, does the story of Sadie and Adrian have any parallels with the story of you and your husband? And if it's not too personal, could you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, like I would say a little bit. I kind of find Adrian to be a little funny and my husband's kind of funny in a dad joke kind of way. You know, the dad jokes, so they're a little corny, but they're funny. Oh, okay. I, I love him because he tries. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the fact that they kind of like had this kind of a miss, like they were in each other's lives, but didn't know that they were in each other's lives when they were younger. Until she was like, hey, when they were in junior high, it was when they found each other. My and my husband kind of had that, but we didn't know about it until years later after we were married. We would talk about certain things. I feel like, hey, I remember when Faith Baptist Church used to come by with their bus and pick up the kids and take them to church. And then afterwards, the pastor would go take the kids like on a Saturday or something to their house and have barbecues and go swimming. And he's like, oh, yeah, we used to go to some pastor's house, too. I said, yeah. And I go, we used to jump off their diving board. He goes, yeah. If you jumped off the side, you had to get out of the pool for like 15 minutes because, you know, because <laughs> it was dangerous. I was like, oh my God. So it was like instances like that. Like he was there those times that I was there, but we didn't oh, know each other. That's crazy. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then one time my mother-in-law, his mom used to babysit a little boy that lived around the corner. Mind you, we didn't live anywhere near each other. And he happened to be friends with my older brother. And she would come to my house and pick up my brother to take her to her house to play with this boy she babysat and mm-hmm. didn't know, you know, years later, we were going to end up, you know, <laughs> getting married and stuff. So, but just that, that kind of thing is what I wanted to have for Adrian and Sadie, just, you know, that their paths were connected. Mm-hmm. And also, I think that they're soulmates. I think my husband is my soulmate, you mm-hmm. know, so... Maybe because they missed each other back in the past is the reason why they got together. Oh, well, I'm giving it away a little, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, but yeah, for, for me and Garth, the same, you know, I feel like we were meant to be together. So life was setting it up for us. Something like that. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Well, mm-hmm. probably my favorite character in the book was Angel. Because she was salty, wise, and didn't have a filter when she was speaking her mind. Right. And uh, 
So she was basically the wise old sage archetype that's a common element to the hero's journey narrative. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I wanted to know, was there a particular influence, real or fictional, for her character? And if so, who? Um, actually, both real and fictional. Oh. My mom and pretty much all the women in my life, she was an amalgamation of all of them because all of the women, all my aunts, my mom's sisters, my uncle's wives, they're all very strong women, very grounded very spiritual, very, mm-hmm. you know, going to tell you like it is <laughs> uh-huh. kind of thing. So that's the real archetype. And then the Oracle from the Matrix. I was going to say that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they both smoke, right? Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Because yes. <laughs> yes. I was like, I was reading it. I was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. She, um, yeah. I had to incorporate that. I love the Oracle. Mm-hmm. Just her, you know, I love the fact that she didn't really tell Sadie. She was very cryptic. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, you have to find this out on your own kind Mm -hmm. of thing. It's like, it's your journey. You know, basically, here's the door. You want to open it? You want to go through it? That's up to you. But, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that's what Angel was. I wanted Sadie to have that. Like, it's your journey. Are you ready for this journey? Okay. Mm -hmm. So Yeah. That feels more authentic to me, especially when you're talking about psi phenomena. That mm-hmm. it's like there's like this traditional sense of like, oh, if somebody's psychic, they can tell you when you're going to die or they can tell you what the lottery numbers are going to be. But really what they do is they're in tune with kind of the flow of space. Absolutely. Right. It's the like energy. even when you're. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you can go to, you know, I'm sure like a carnival and get a tarot reading and they'll tell you exactly what you want to hear. But an actual tarot reading, they're kind of giving you past, present, and future. Right. This is what's happened in your past that's conditioned to what's happening in the present. And there are various avenues you can take and different perspectives you can look at that will ultimately determine the future. Right. Yeah. So I really like the way you did that with her character. Yes, I love that. So it's basically... Just here, here you go. Here's all laid out. And I like that she kind of like opened up things in Sadie. It's kind of like she met her right in the point when she was having her awakening and realizing that she has this gift. And she was kind of that person who's saying, it's okay now. Because, mm-hmm. you know, she always kind of had it, but she just didn't want to. She didn't really think about it. She just was kind of like, well, why do I know this? She just questioned herself a lot. She had a lot of doubt in it. And as can it be real? You know, it's kind of like it's magic what (laughs) so (laughs) i love that angel was that person who kind of said here yes it's real and you know you're powerful you have power and those kind of things so yeah i love angel too i really really did and she was really fun to write too yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah i love it yeah i saw all of my aunts and my mom and everybody in her so yeah yeah. never-ending flow of wisdom (laughs) <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. If you don't get it from one, you get it from the mm-hmm. other. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, you have a post, speaking of characters, you have a post on your Instagram page about writing a character that you hated writing yes. and having to do a detox. Now, I mean, I could be wrong, but I'm assuming you're probably talking about the villain yes. that commits horrific murders. Yes. So, 
I'm curious to know, how do you approach writing such an evil character that is evil to the point where it affects you negatively? Like you just writing, it affects your psyche. And you know, I'm sure you, you take it on physically as well. Mm-hmm. What is your detox process? Well, first of all, I wouldn't embody him. So I do get into his mind, but I try to not get too into it, I guess you can say. <laughs> um <laughs> He does take a lot out of me. He really, really does. And that's the reason why it's the magic man, mm-hmm. mind you. And it's for this book. I mean, he was in The Pain Eater, but not as much because the second book is about him. Mm-hmm. So it's been a couple of years since I've been writing him because I have to kind of step back every time I write some of the things that he does. This is going to be a very dark book. And so what I do is I will meditate and stuff before and kind of like protect myself because I do get into a little weird space. And then to get out of it, you know, I go to my family and I'll do a little meditation. I also burn sage. <laughs> it's <so> weird, <laughs> but I will do that, all of it, you know. Uh-huh. And I always do a blessing around the house. It's like, you know, no negativity is going to stay here. Mm-hmm. Get out of the space, you know, because when I write it, it does come. But then my kids, my husband, you know, everybody else takes me out of it and helps me to detox. I'll play video games. (laughs) 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 I will kick alien ass on video games because I am am addicted. I am addicted to Duke Nukem. So that's the way I kind of get rid of that negativity. (laughs) Now, is that that. the one where he says, I'm here to kick ass and chew bubble gum and I'm all out of bubble gum? Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love him so much. I, I, I know that campaign backwards and forwards. And so it's kind of like it helps me to kind of just zone out and get out of my mindset or, you know, get into it. Because I'll, sometimes I'll play it before I start to write, too. You know, it's kind of like that gets me in my flow, which is really strange. But that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works. But yeah, no, Mesa, you know, my kids and my husband, they make me smile and they just bring me back down. You know, they ground me. So mm-hmm. that's what I usually do to detox. I know when I was doing research or writing, because it's like, you know, serial killers and all that. I can't watch those shows for too long. You know, they get in my head. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, me and my husband were watching something about serial killers. And I could only get like through two or three episodes. And I was like, all right, all right, okay. I need a little break. <laughs> I've absorbed enough for today. Let's watch something shiny and happy now. <laughs> yeah. You were talking about playing video games. I had a guest on who writes Splatterpunk, you know, the real extreme horror. Mm. And when she gets in a particularly depraved scene, her emotional palate cleanser is watching the Monsters. Ah, I love the Monsters. Yes, that's good, right? I was like, that really works? She's like, yeah, there's something about, uh, what's the main guy's name? Uh, Not Um, Eddie, uh, the husband. Herman. Herman yeah. Munster. Yes, yeah. Herman. Yeah. She was like, there's just something about Herman Munster that makes me smile. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. He's like, I, I like Herman Munster, too. <laughs> I do like the Munsters. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, everyone has to have that get out, you know, that kind of release. And it's like, for me, it's my family and video games. <laughs> video, games make, video games make me very happy. And it started very, very young, you know, back when uh, Pac-Man and stuff came out. Mm-hmm. So I'm sneaking around trying to get quarters so I can go to Shakey's and play the video games all uh-huh. day. <laughs> yeah. You know? 
what was it? Pac-Man. Was it Galaga? Galaga. Galaga. Galaga uh, or something. Yeah. Yeah. That's my uh, husband's favorite, actually, with the little shooter. The yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one. Mm-hmm. I think even before that, Pong. Oh, <laughs> remember yeah, that? on Atari. Oh. <laughs> Just boom. And what boom. was it? Um, pull? Was it pull? race or something with the the cars and they just move you just move them out of the way like this oh yeah 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 yeah, <laughs> yeah. and uh yeah but the pong was like hit it and it, the ball goes ding, yeah like the it, most low tech like boring thing on the face of the planet so and you're just slow. sitting there like oh this is amazing <laughs> this is so cool <laughs> yeah. i know i remember my aunt and my uncle had that the atari first and we were just like what mm-hmm. what is this <laughs> this is amazing <laughs> I know. Look at it now. It's like this archaic brick. <laughs> <laughs> right? Or like some of them are so beautifully, like the graphics in them. You're mm-hmm. like, that's a real rock. It's like, no, it's drawn. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that is amazing graphics right there. Like, it's just, <laughs> oh, I love them so much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How realistic they get, you know? Yeah, virtual reality and AI, like the reality and virtual reality, are getting dangerously close to each other. They really, really <laughs> like. You know, hey, where is the line? <laughs> it's funny because I have. Let me unplug this. Don't want to say her name, but I have an Alexa. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have one in the living room, and I was talking to her, Alexa. You know, well, actually, I named that one Ziggy. Mm-hmm. I said Ziggy. I asked her a question. Didn't respond to me. I said Ziggy. Said it again. Didn't respond to me. I said Ziggy, and it said Lashane. Ah. <laughs> oh my god! I said, "Oh no, oh. no, no! We might have to unplug you yeah. for a minute." <laughs> Ziggy has become sentient. <laughs> like, yeah, like, right? Ziggy, open the door. I'm afraid I can't do that, Lashane. I cannot do that, Lashane. <laughs> I was just like, "You have an attitude today." Like, what the heck? <laughs> oh, that would freak me out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was just like maybe the Wi-Fi wasn't working right. but Because mm. <laughs> yeah. I said, Ziggy with attitude, it had to have attitude back. No, no, we don't play that. <laughs> well, what are the odds the bandwidth just increased right at the time where you screamed at Ziggy? <laughs> and you're like, right? yes, Lashane, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> this is kind of related, actually. <laughs> um, this next question Um in the story, one of the most important things that Sadie has to learn is psychologically shielding herself, mm-hmm. especially in large crowds, so that she doesn't get sucked into experiencing multiple people's emotional states, which can be anything from amusing to absolutely terrifying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you strike me as someone who's very empathetic. Have you ever known someone that was a literal psychic vampire that mentally drained you to the point that you had to stop spending time with them? And I'm not entirely sure in which context I'm speaking of psychic vampire, because there are some people that like are incredibly negative that just drain the life out of you. But then there are some people that just seem like there's something about them that just you can't put your finger on it. It's just like they're just sucking the life out of you. So I guess maybe both, yeah, yeah. both uh, context. Well, in the context that I am very empathic and I do have that ability to kind of absorb people's energy. I've actually had 
<laughs> some instances where I had a neighbor come over and she had a backache and all of a sudden my back started hurting, things mm. like that, which is why I incorporated it for Sadie, where you have to kind of like just envision a shield around you so that you don't absorb people's energy. But there was an incident that happened and it wasn't me. This was actually kind of like an attack that happened. And it was me and my daughter were in Burlington and we were sitting there shopping. I think it was around Christmas because there was a lot of people in the store. And at one point we were walking. I don't remember where we were, but we were just like, I just started feeling kind of like, ugh, like I just didn't feel very good. And then my daughter's like, mom, I feel really, really sick. Like, I don't know what's wrong. Like she was getting really pale and like pasty. And she was like, I don't feel very good. I think I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I was like, okay. So she took off mm -hmm. and I kind of turned around and we were like in the back corner of the store and I looked around and I saw some guy. It wasn't him. It's like, it wasn't him. Mm -hmm. It's like there was something with him mm -hmm. or something on him because he was just minding his business. But it was like, there was just this thing and maybe it was an entity. I don't know. But I walked away because I went to go find her. As soon as I was away from him, I started feeling better, hmm. you know, uplifted. And I was like, whoa, she came out of the bathroom. She's like, as soon as I started walking away, mom, I felt better. Mm -hmm. And she's like, but mom, look, she had marks on her hmm. right here on her shoulder. I'm mm -hmm. like, you literally got attacked, hmm. like something attacked her. So I'm like, well, let's just go. Let's leave. Let's get out of this place. So we went to go pay for the stuff and we we're standing in line. And all of a sudden we started feeling it again. Mm -hmm. We're like, what is that? And I turned around. Sure enough, that guy was like two people behind us. And I was like, okay, there's literally something on him. I don't think he knows it. But, you know, that energy or whatever it was. What made you think that it was something on him and not something that he was doing himself? Just because, well, you know what? I don't know. It could have been like maybe it was a subconscious thing, but he doesn't seem to be paying attention to me mm. or to us. So that's why I got the sense that it wasn't him that maybe there might have been something attached to him or something with him. And so people might have things attached to them and not know it, you know. But yeah, so that was like an actual physical thing that my daughter experienced. And people do drain you <laughs> all the time. So you have to make sure you go prepared, mm -hmm. you know. Well, circling back to that man you were talking about in Burlington, there's a scene in the book where Sadie's at a funeral, which is very interesting because there's a lot of people there with differing sigh abilities. But there is one character like the man that you mentioned that from her transcendent vision, she can see has some sort of malevolent entity attached to him. But for some reason, she feels as though this I believe it was a man had given himself over to this entity. Right. Like, right. what do you think? It, do you think that's true in real life? Like, what would that be? How would you give yourself over to something malevolent like that? Oh, oh, I don't know. It's funny because when I was doing a lot of research on the book, I stumbled upon some things that were in the darker arts. And I'm like, no, I just don't go there. That's not what I'm about. So I really wouldn't know what they would do. But I'm sure that because there's dark and there's light, there's going to be those people that do that. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be those things out there that are going to respond. <laughs> Say, yeah. OK, here you go. <laughs> you know, so I wouldn't know what they would do. Because when I wrote The Magic Man, his isn't something that's like that. His power is actually something that's kind of like how Sadie's is, something that he was born with, mm. you know. 
So I didn't really get into like, you know, sacrificing it or whatever people would do. I have no idea no. <laughs> what they would do. But I did write that because one day me and my sister were in the store and we were checking out and I saw a little girl, which is really sad, but I saw a little girl who wasn't looking at me. She was like facing her mom was at the checkout and I was like a couple aisles over and I swear something was on her and looked at me and I Ugh. freaking got so freaked out. And I said, there's something on that little girl. My sister was like, what? I'm all, it just looked at me. <laughs> it looked at me and I got all freaked out. And so years later, that's when I was like, I need to write that because I know I wasn't tripping. I know I saw something on her, you know? And so I kind of just wanted to incorporate that. And then I thought, how would it happen for someone who actually wants to touch the dark side, they would have to give themselves up. You know, mm. it's kind of like, here, you take my soul and give me this power. And so I want it because it seemed like it was sitting on her. So I wanted it to seem like it was sitting on him. And I think in the magic man, I explained that, you know, having the different powers when you're born with it, it's like part of your DNA, mm. you know, it's just a part of you. But when you ask and trade your soul for it, it sits on like oil and water, mm. you know, it's just sits on top of it. That's how say you can see it. Mm. It's not inside and integrated into you. It's something that's not a part of you. So she knows that it's not genuine or authentic to that person, mm. part of their true self. So, but I actually saw something on some little girl and I was like, I think I'm going to write that. <laughs> <laughs> I just felt really bad because I'm like, I really saw it. I don't like smoke weed or do any of that stuff. So I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I know I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> and how old? She was little. She must have been about eight or nine years old. And it made me really, really sad. I think I came up with the idea of the pain eater because I always just want to help people. And it's like, if I could just take away your pain or if I could just make life better for you, I would do that. And so that's kind of like why I created this character. It's like, I wanted to help that little girl because obviously something was there, you know, something was around her, but it looked at me. So I don't know why it looked at me, but I guess it's crazy. Kind of the same way you can tell when somebody's looking at you, like you've got your back turned to somebody, you just feel like, I feel like there's eyes you on feel me. It. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably that thing could feel empathetic eyes on it. Like, yeah, it did. And I was just like, okay, well, I did a little odd Thomas, but I'm not going to pretend like I didn't see it. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't know if you read that book. It's like odd Thomas act like he didn't, couldn't see him because <laughs> then they would attack him. But I don't know. I just said, you know, I hope that girl finds peace in her life. Well, which character was the most complex and mentally taxing to develop and why? Um, I'm just going to have to say that would be the magic man, even though, like I said, in the pain eater, his part isn't as profound as it is in the magic man, because that book's about him. But he is <laughs> the most taxing just because he does stuff and I'll look at Garth and I'll be like, Garth, I hate this guy. <laughs> I really don't like this guy. <laughs> you understand how much I can't stand him and the things that he does, you know, or just anybody who's on that dark path like him, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, getting into the scene with Maxine and the things that happened to her. I'm going to open myself up here a little bit. I was physically attacked before. And so it's kind of like being in that space having to write that too was kind of that was kind of hard but it's also something I need to move through so mm -hmm. I kind of did it for my own sake so that was a little hard but yeah I would say the magic man someone who can do that to someone yeah 
you know, who can do those things without remorse. (laughs) (laughs) Just, it's funny because, you know, you watch these shows and these things and you think, how can a person be like that? And I'm like, you know what? I need to stop posing questions to the universe like that because then I get, yeah. I get an idea of a character in my head and I have uh, to create it. So it's like, well, here, now you're going to have to figure out how they do that. You know, it's like, no, I really don't want to know how they did it. It's just, you know. Uh, so you feel like some of the fleshing out of that character was cathartic for you based on Absolutely. your personal experience? Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The relationship with Sadie and her father was very complicated and on the surface seemed very dysfunctional, almost as if he just shut down and just went completely cold blooded. But then you realize there's more to the story. Mm -hmm. So when you're writing a plot element that's meant to take the reader by surprise, are they planned out or do they happen organically as you write the story and take you by surprise as well? Um. The book took me by surprise. <laughs> I'm not a plotter at all. Like this, I plotted a little bit with a second book because I kind of knew like where I want to go, kind of, because it still took off on its own. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a pantser. So I'm writing and then it's like, oh, oh, that's why I wrote that in the first mm-hmm. chapter, you know, <laughs> things like that. You know, it surprises me as well. Mm-hmm. Like the chapter where she has the dream sequence right after she meets Angel. And she's in the box and she can see the kitchen and she can see Angel in the kitchen. Mm. And then next thing you know, she's in the kitchen and there's like photographs falling and she's grabbing the photographs and they're blurred. She can't see them. And then the next chapter, when Angel goes and gets her box of photographs and she's showing her like her past. And I was like, oh, mm. <laughs> that's why the photographs were there. <laughs> like, oh, you know, it hit crazy. me, you know? Yeah. yeah. Or when she's standing in Angel's hall and she's looking at all the photographs on the walls and she's realizing, I really don't know Angel at all. That was connected to it, too. And I was like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I uh, just love when, <laughs> when that happens because you're like, oh, that's why I wrote that. Oh, uh-huh. that's awesome. So, so yeah, um, it's almost kind of like the bricks to a pathway are just falling in place in front of you as you walk. Right. Absolutely. Is that kind of like, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. That's cool. I like that. Interesting. Yeah, they do. They just kind of like come together and it's like, whoa. And you look back, it's like, look at the bridge I built. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just let it write itself. It does. It really does. And it surprises you, you mm-hmm. know? Some of the things at the end that happened, too, were like, oh, whoa, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More so in this book, too. Like, mm-hmm. um, the new one, The Magic Man is like, oh, my God, really? Thank you for showing me that. <laughs> and, you know, I've heard a few writers tell me that they want particular characters to do something or go down some route. So they have plans for them, but they just refuse to cooperate. Like, they just don't have Absolutely. control over them. They just have their minds of their own. And it actually yeah. irritates them. They're like, God damn it. <laughs> it's so annoying. It's so crazy. Like, I mean, it's really hard to explain how it happens. Mm. But you're just, especially when you're in the flow and you're just writing. Mm. And then you go back and you read and you're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First of all, you're like, did I do that? I just did that. <laughs> but mm-hmm. yeah, then you're like, oh, oh, well, now I see where the story's going. It's going someplace completely different than when, <laughs> when I started, when my fingers went to the keys the first time. <laughs> totally mm-hmm. different, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, I love that, though. And I think that's why I love the creative process so much, because mm-hmm. you're always surprised and everybody has beautiful stories or different stories in their head and it just comes out 
And it's like, wow, that's awesome. It's amazing. I love it. Well, I think you are the first person that I've asked this question. When Sadie walks the streets unshielded, it's almost as if she's experiencing like an amplified form of Sonder. And I didn't even know what Sonder meant until about a year ago. (laughs) And uh, even though I experienced it all the time, which it's usually at airports. Mm -hmm. So do you ever experience Sonder? And if so, how does it make you feel? Yes, I do. And I love that Sonder. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, I love the whole premise of it that, you know, we are all main characters in our own little stories. I love that so much. Mm -hmm. And I believe it 100%. I wrote a poem called background noise, mm-hmm. where I say everyone is a background noise in someone else's reality. Like we're all connected, but we are all the main characters in our own mm-hmm. story. And like right now we're interacting and so we're together, but mm-hmm. it's like <laughs> someone who's listening to us, I don't know their life or their main story and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I think it's a beautiful thing. I love it. Like when you say you experienced it at the airport, like what do you mean you experienced well, it? Well, like You know, there's obviously no end of downtime when you're at airports, waiting on a flight, flights delayed, so on and so forth. Mm So, granted, I'm not doing something creepy like like stalking people. But, you know, if you're seated next to somebody, you can't help but overhear them when they're talking on the phone or if they have a child that they're playing with or something like that. And, you know, just based on what they say, you start kind of forming in your head, like what their life must be like. Mm -hmm. And it's weird. It's like after you've been subjected to that for a few minutes, when they get up or you get up, whatever, there's separation. You almost kind of like feel a sense of loss. Like, right. Like they're gone. Like, or you want to know how the story's going to. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And if you're surrounded by it, it can almost give you this feeling of like social enemy like mm-hmm. i'm very insignificant there's nothing special about me you know mm-hmm. everybody else is going through the same stuff as the same so it's just a weird feeling i was curious to know how it made you feel if you um yeah i have that and then i also have the other thing where they talk about people that are kind of like npcs non-playable characters in your life or around you mm-hmm where you could be in a room full of people and never connect to them in any way. Mm-hmm. And you could be like, oh, there was a person in there with a red shirt on or that person had black hair, you know, like in that respect too, in that regard, I've actually driven by people where I'm like, I swear that person didn't have a face, <laughs> you know, but like something like that, uh-huh. like because they were just so insignificant in my life. Mm-hmm. But yet the next person, well, I can see all their features that they had a nose ring or a tattoo. And it's like, okay, well, maybe somewhere we're connected in some shape or form, you know, like six degrees or whatever. Like that person has some kind of relevance in my life somehow, even if it's just for me to realize that I can see him, (laughs) you know, that (laughs) kind of thing. So Uh I, that's the kind of thing that I experience more is I see some people that are like blurs to me. So that's why I take any kind of friendship or any kind of connection that I have with a person very seriously, because it's like, well, obviously they mean to instill something for me in my life. You know, like there's a lesson that I'm supposed to learn for my growth or for my journey or me for them, you know, mm. take that very seriously. So that's how I look at it. Slander. I love that. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. You know, the way 
the way I found that word was it's actually the name of an album by one of my favorite bands, Tesseract. Yeah. They have Oh Tesseract. Yeah. yeah. They have an album called Sonder. I was like, what the hell I is Sonder? <laughs> <laughs> I love that so mm. much. <laughs> Well, all around, all elements, The Pain Eater, great book. Thank you. And, Thank uh, you so listeners much. Listeners at home, definitely check it out. But you have some other works that I wanted to kind of touch on a little bit. Okay. And oh, I know I'm going to butcher this. You had an article in, tell me the name of the, ma- I don't even want to say it. Just tell me the name of the magazine so I don't butcher uh, Soledad. it. Soledad. Soledad. Okay. Soledad, Soledad yeah. magazine. Uh, mm-hmm. About the band, I'm probably saying it wrong too. It's probably well, I'm probably saying it wrong too. As long as it's not just me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you have an article in the magazine about the psychedelic furs, yes. kind of your love affair with the band growing up. So you were kind enough to forward it to me, so I've read it. But to listeners at home, if you could kind of touch on that a little bit. Absolutely. I started loving them when I was very young, like Mm -hmm. 12 or 13, 14, maybe. And so it's just that their music has impacted my life. And there's been parallels with their music Mm -hmm. and some of the things that have happened in my life. And so I just wanted to kind of write them a love letter, kind of like, this is what you've done for me. (laughs) (laughs) This is what you've instilled for me, you know. And then my friend Jeremy is actually the creator of that magazine. And so Mm -hmm. he reached out and was like, yes, I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) I will write something for you. And he was really happy. And I don't think many people know. Well, if you know me, you know how much I love the psychedelic furs and what they mean to me. But, Mm -hmm. you know, just to let people know they have impacted my life in a very positive, very creative way. So Mm -hmm. that's basically what the article is. Just let it all hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, aside from essays, you also write poetry. And I think you regularly post it on your website, don't you? Mm -hmm. Uh, Yes, different poem. Yeah. Yeah. So now was poetry kind of your first love as far as writing or was it short stories? Poetry. Poetry. Okay. Yes. Poetry was my first love. My brother's best friend is a poet. Same age. I think it was like 12. And he was reading a poem to my mom Mm -hmm. standing up there, you know, and I was in the room kind of like listening. And I was like, what? It doesn't rhyme. <laughs> what? What is this? It's not Dr. Seuss. <laughs> that kind of thing, you know? And I was like, what is this? You can do that. Like, you can arrange words like that. You can do it yourself kind of thing. And so I just went from there. And from that day forward, it was just nonstop, either poetry or short stories, just writing. You know, of course, you did the little bits in school where they kind of teach you little things. But it was just that, just hearing him. It was a love poem. I believe that they were probably 16, 17 at the time, my brother and them. So it was kind of like, wow, that was the most amazing thing I ever heard. You know? mm-hmm. So I was like, I need to do this. And I did it in my own way. And it just took off. And I love poetry. Everything can be equated to a poem. <laughs> yeah. Probably about a few months ago, maybe the beginning of the year, I was just going through a lot of poets on Instagram. And I was just reading all the different types of poems and the different ways that people write. And I'm just like, everybody has so much in them, you know, that they want to give. And it's just like, it's so beautiful to me. So I wrote a poem, every poem is, and it just embodies like what each poem means to each person, you know, Mm -hmm. like this person, it could be cathartic, 
you know, this person, it could be because they're suffering from depression or this person, they're just so happy and they're in love. You know, it's like poetry just embodies all of it, like the beauty and the sorrow, the pain, everything Mm -hmm. in life. And it's subjective. So it's like it might not resonate with you, but it might resonate with that person. And I think that poems and songs, paintings, all of that just touches people because it's meant for them, resonates with them. But Mm -hmm. I love the power that poetry has for the people that it affects. I love it. And you have a collection of short stories and poems called Go Ask Lashane, correct? Yes. <laughs> that was my first book. Can you give us an idea <laughs> of the subject matter? Actually, it's a walk through my life. It's my love affair with poetry and writing from when I first started until the present, because I'm actually working in formatting the second book right now. Mm. Go Ask Lashane Volume 2, but... Funny story about Go Ask Lashane is that I really kind of threw that book together so that I could find the ins and outs of self-publishing. <laughs> I kind of wanted to do that before I actually put my novel out. And so I'm like, what can I do? And I'm like, you know, I have all these poems. People like poetry books. I'm just going to put one together. So I learned how to format. I learned how to start my business because I started Arnett Publications, so that safeguard your work, that kind of thing. I just learned the ins and outs, and I used Go Ask Lashane to do it. <laughs> so <laughs> that was basically the reason why I wrote that, and I thought, oh, you know, well, I actually really like it <laughs> <laughs> that I did it, and so that's when I did The Pain Eater. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do another one because from like the year 2020 or 2019 on up, I've written a lot more poems, so... I thought, I'll do volume two. I'll just make it Glass Lachine volume two, but I'll do a different subtitle. The first one is Decades of Rambling because it's just years of just all the different years. It shows my progression from when I first started writing poetry and short stories, too. Some of them were just kind of like I just threw them together. (laughs) (laughs) Short stories are really fun. It helps you kind of like get in the flow of writing, Uh you know. So, yeah, that's Glass Lachine. It wasn't an accident, but it was kind of like a practice, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> so to speak, you know, practice book. But it has my heart because it's all my poems. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, so having read The Pain Eater, I'm really interested in hearing about the sequel that you've been alluding to here and there, The Magic Man. And you say the villain, The Magic Man, the reason that's the title is because he plays a primary role in this book. It's kind of about him. Yeah, the magic man is Sadie Reed's story, so she's still there. I go back and forth. And when we're talking about Sadie's story, it's first person. And for him, it's third person. I didn't want to do first person. No, (laughs) you don't don't want to get in his head. (laughs) No, I wanted to kind of do it from a distance. So Your husband's going to find you crawled up on the floor in the fetal position. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah, so it starts off about who he is, you know, and then also his connection to Sadie. She's on this end, he's on this end, you know, that kind of thing. And so I kind of had wanted to finish their story in this one, but it's just not going to happen. So there's going to be a trilogy. There's going to be another one with the face off. So once I really got that in my head, okay, it's going to be a face off in the third book. Then I said, okay, so now I can just pretty much go through him and 
just let everybody know what a despicable horrible thing <laughs> <he> is. <laughs> you know, yeah. just work on that and then find his connections to Sadie as she's growing, you know, because he's had a head start. And that's kind of what I told myself. There's no way they can have a face off with her. She's still new in it. So, so yeah, the book, it's very dark. It's very heavy. I'm going to have to have a lot of trigger warnings in this one. Mm-hmm. Because I'm really wanted to get the people to despise him, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I actually really like it. A couple of people who have read it so far, like they really, really, really like it. And they're very intrigued by his story. So that's good. So <laughs> that's really good. So when you say people that have read it, are you talking about like beta readers or is it almost ready to be unleashed on the masses? It's almost not quite. It's in the editing process. I'm still editing it. Stephen King says, kill your darlings. You know, mm-hmm. you have to be, you have to let some things go. You got to chisel away and, you know, so it becomes something beautiful. So that's what I've been working on. But yeah, basically my editor and of course my kids can read to them like, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. My daughter, Samantha, she will not know. Mom, I want to read it when it's done. I don't want to know anything. And I'm like, but you have to. I want you to I need help. <laughs> I, know, I want you to I want you to tell me. I you know imposter syndrome is terrible oh, because God, you yeah. just think that you're like, it is terrible. You could be like, this is great. I love this so much. And the next day you're like, oh my God, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. You know, why am I putting this out there? And it's like, I never really understood how crippling imposter syndrome can be, you know? Yeah. So I have actually had a couple of people who really love the pain eater so much that are people that aren't connected to me at all that I'm like, here, mm-hmm. I'm going to give you first sneak peek. And when I finished part one, I had sent it out and they were like, oh, my God, mm-hmm. I can't wait for the rest. So I'm like, OK, I'm <laughs> on the right path. Yeah. <laughs> but I want to take my time with it because I want it to be good. I want it to be impactful. Mm-hmm. And so that way, the third one would be like, <sighs> good. But yeah. It's almost ready for the masses. I wanted it to do a December release, like a beginning. So it could be like a Christmas special kind of thing. And, you know, you mm-hmm. have to think about marketing when you're a self-publisher. But it might end up being like the end of December, you know, because I don't want to rush it. And I want to make sure that it's polished because I am a pantser. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, this is so good. And the editor's like, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you thought. <laughs> Well, you know, I was curious about that. You mentioned talking about killing your darlings. You have a very poetic quality to your writing style. So I was wondering, how do you balance the poet's desire to describe emotion and visual imagery with the novelist's pragmatism to move the story forward? Um, That's a little hard as a pantser (laughs) Uh, for me, because I just, the creativity just has to flow, Mm -hmm. you know, and even when I write poetry, it's like, I don't like, oh, you need to have this many letters and this stanza and da-da. I don't like that confined kind of, you know, writing. I like it to just flow. So the pragmatism comes definitely mm-hmm. in the editing process. Yeah, okay. <laughs> That's when you have that person who says, okay, you know, you have to put a comma there. You have to put this, you know, otherwise everything's a run on sentence. But yeah, I think I'm more of a slave to the creativity of it and the flow of it. So when I'm in it, so that's why I have my editor. She will make sure that it still has that poetic cadence to it because that's just who I am. That's how I write and just kind of like strip it down just a little bit to where it's like, I realize what I do is I'm kind of like a Yoda kind of (laughs) where I will put the beginning of some things on the end 
thank me for that. You will, you know, Simone, <laughs> you will thank me for that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you need to you know, move this over here. But she does that for me <laughs> because I will do that. Or sometimes I'll repeat myself because it's very theatrical, whatever, but, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just a slave to that poetic kind of style writing. And so I just let it go. And then she says, okay, let's whip this into shape <laughs> <laughs> or you don't need all of these glue words where it's like ends a lot of prepositions and stuff like try to take all that out take it all out mm. <laughs> like okay yeah if i was to ever write anything i think that would be probably the worst issue i would have in editing is i end sentences with prepositions all the time although i've heard somebody say that that's not necessarily a bad thing i don't know i don't understand all these rules yeah 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 <laughs> I know. I'm just like, you know, but I just felt it. <laughs> I just felt it. That's how it's got to stay. I'm like, no. no. <laughs> Do you want it to be amazing? I'm like, okay, fine. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> I'll listen to you. <laughs> Do you have some sort of ritual you engage in prior to writing to kind of get you into the creative flow? Um, and well, by ritual, I, I don't mean like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like not, nothing formal, just like, you know, I don't know, maybe you do a little meditation for a few minutes or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I will meditate. Sometimes I will, like I said, I'll play my video games because I zone out and then I, it's kind of like I'm falling into that space. And mm -hmm. um, when I play video games like that, when I'm getting into the space, the sound is off and I have either affirmations or sometimes I'll play Jim mm -hmm. Butcher and the Dresden Files. Like, mm. I just love him. Sometimes I'll play him like his audiobooks on repeat or I'll listen to instrumental music. And then I'll start thinking about, okay, this is the scene that's coming up. It's kind of like I'm playing it in my head. And then as I'm playing and then I kind of like fall into this rhythm. And then literally sometimes I will leave that video game and it's still playing. I'm like, I got it right. You forgot to turn it off, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, that's, that's that do. video game's journey. Just leave it. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's like, like I said, I've played it so much that I just I kind of zone out, you know, it's like you're mm. phoning it in uh -huh. as you're playing, you know. And so you're just kind of sitting there and then it gives me that space sometimes when you meditate there's a lot of noises going around and it's hard to kind of get into that rhythm mm -hmm. letting everything fall off but i find that that video game <laughs> playing that just helps me just get right into the zone that i need to go and then i'm off well when you were talking about having people reading the magic man you were speaking about beta readers right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and <laughs> some of them like who was it that refused to read it until it was the finished product my daughter yeah. <laughs> sammy yeah she's uh, like no <laughs> some are family but is it better to have people that don't know you or is it a mix yes um it's i think it would be a mix it's a mix you know but also that a person who loves the genre Okay. Because it's just, it's not fair to the author. If you're reading it and you really don't like that genre, you're going to be very critical of it, maybe overly so. So it's very important to find the person who loves the genre, maybe loves your style of writing or mm -hmm. like for me, for the second book, it's like, okay, all those people that I had a really good response to for the first one. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> do you want to read the second one? You know, because you know that they're going to tell you like it is, you know, like, oh, well, well, why did you have her do that? Well, I don't like that. You know, <laughs> why did you change this much or something like that? You know, which 
everyone that I like, my family isn't shy to say those kind of things to me, though, uh-huh. at all. Like, no, no, that didn't work. Like, <laughs> we're very honest with uh-huh. each other. So it's kind of like I'm fortunate to have that, whereas the bias doesn't really pay a part in it because they're like, you need to change this or that was really, really good. Maybe if you did this, it would make it a little more impactful kind of thing. So I think having both people you do know and people that you don't know that are going to say, eh, nah, I wasn't feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, that was pretty good. Like the very end with the pain eater, I didn't actually have the last chapter in it. <laughs> and uh, my editor was like, um, you need to go back. Like, this is very anticlimactic. You know, you need to go in and finish this. And it was actually me kind of holding back because I was kind of sad because it was ending Mm -hmm. kind of thing, you know, and it was like, okay. But I was like, yes, I know. I know. I know. (laughs) I need to go finish this up. And then I found people that really liked that and people that didn't like that. I waited so long to kind of wrap up the missing woman aspect to the end. Like it wasn't enough of it. So, you know, I've had both responses, you know, Mm -hmm. but that's okay. So that's how you grow, you know, as a writer, you just listen to what people say, but also be, you know, true to your story, Mm -hmm. which is what I do. So, yeah, I think a mixture of both. (laughs) So which book would you say radically changed your view of what could be accomplished with the written word? I'm going to have to say, I think I wrote about this before, uh, Richard Brodigan's Sombrero Fallout. Okay. That book changed everything for me. That's when I got into short story writing, when I read that book and I was just like, what? Do you know the story of the Sombrero Fallout? Mm -mm. It's like... Richard Brodigan wrote about a writer who was in love. It's called Sombrero Fallout, a Japanese novel, because the writer was in love with a Japanese woman and she broke up with him. Mm -hmm. And he's like suffering from depression and he's just so sad, but he's trying to write a book. And the novel that he's writing is called Sombrero Fallout. It's about a sombrero that fell into the middle of a little town Mm -hmm. somewhere. And everybody's like, where did the sombrero come from? I don't know. Do you know where it came from? No, don't touch it, you know. (laughs) And it becomes like everybody starts getting involved in it. And it's like this whole story. Well, he hated it. He crumbles it up and throws it in the trash because he's just so distraught. He thinks it's shit, whatever. (laughs) So the book actually is both stories because... Just like, <laughs> just like an author knows a story writes itself, mm-hmm. it continues in the trash can. So it becomes this whole big spectacle where you have like the mayor comes and everybody's just concerned. The army ends up showing up. <laughs> what is the sombrero? Is it an alien being or, you know, what is it? And on the outside, you have this guy who's just dying because his love of his life has left him. And you realize it's parallel his emotions are parallel to the things that are going on in the story. Like the reason why everything's getting so fantastic is because he's just so distraught. And so you've got tanks and you've got jet fires over this little sombrero because Mm -hmm. he's out there bawling his eyes out and can't go on with life because she left him. And I remember when I read that, I was just like, what can we do now? (laughs) What can we create? (laughs) Anybody can write anything. You know what I mean? Uh, It's like, just, uh, I just loved it so much. And then for poetry, it was Charles Bukowski was mm, just like, he's has that, you know, mm, that love and the drink and the, mm, and it was kind of like, what? (laughs) 
Charles Bukowski is everything. I yeah. guess. And he's so poetic at it. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was a hot mess. Uh-huh. And he was beautiful at it, you know? Yeah. And so Charles Bukowski was that for me for poetry and writing and short story was Richard Brodigan and then Ray Bradbury because Ray Bradbury, he has a fervor for writing just like he loved writing so much, mm-hmm. you know, just words and creating and he had that and you can read it. He wrote a lot of short stories too. And when you read them, you're like, this guy, he's just creating craziness, but he <laughs> loves it. You know, it's so good. Uh-huh. It's because he loves the writing process. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, the person in film that is like that to me is Guillermo del Toro. because oh. He has that same fervor mm-hmm. that Ray Bradbury has. He has it for script writing and film. Like mm-hmm. he, it's that same energy. It's almost like Ray Bradbury's energy went into him, you know, because yeah. he has that same kind of love for writing and creating. And I'm yeah. just like, I love him so much, you know, I love it. So, I yeah. love auteurs, like writer, mm-hmm. director, oh. people that write and direct, like Tarantino, Lagier, Noé. Um, Tim Burton's another one who does it. Guillermo del Toro. Right now, Jordan Peele, he's like, yes, he only yes. does what yeah. he writes. Yes. You know, I love it so much. Who is it? Uh, Robert Rodriguez. I really like what he does. Oh. He writes directs and he actually scores right but if you watch the opening credits it says shot chopped and scored because he edits as well Ed, yeah because yeah, yeah, he has so, a studio mm-hmm. yeah shot <laughs> chopped and scored by robert rodriguez, uh, robert yes. rodriguez. yeah yeah, I really love auteurs. I love Robert Rodriguez. <laughs> and, you know, and just like I loved Sin City. And when him and Quentin get together mm-hmm. with their grindhouse mm-hmm. movies, just. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, what is the most important life experience that you have had that you feel helped you become a good writer? Or a great writer, I should say. (laughs) Oh, thank you. (laughs) Okay. um, Was life experience? Well, I would say just being a person that observes everything or that just tries to figure out what things happen and why they're happening to you in your life. Use those things, you know, use your experiences to write. So everything, (laughs) everything that I've experienced, you know, is I think art imitates life. So you have to be able to really be an observer of your life and the life around you and those that you affect and use that because that's most authentic and it's beautiful and it's organic and it's raw Mm -hmm. when you can take from your own life or even base certain things on the experiences that you have in life and just be true to that when you're writing. So basically everything, (laughs) everything that I've lived. (laughs) Just just live life and record. (laughs) Absolutely. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. Even when you're dreaming, you know, even Mm -hmm. when you're dreaming, try to remember that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's what Stephen King does. (laughs) Do you do a dream journal where you like, as soon as you wake up, just no. No, because um, I unfortunately I'm not like Stephen King. I hardly remember my dreams. Mm. But when I do remember them, I speak them out because mm-hmm. then basically, I don't know, you know, speaking things gives it life <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> kind of thing. Speak you know, it into so existence. I will speak it into existence. Yeah, I always say that. Let there be light, you know, mm. <laughs> speak into existence. So. I will talk about it like, oh, I just had a stream, da 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 da, da. and then it's like engraved in my process. Otherwise, phew, yeah. out the door. 
you know, or I'll be like, oh, wait, did I? No, no, I can't remember. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't remember it, you know? So <laughs> that's like sometimes I'll wake up and I'm like, oh, I have a poem in my head or I have a story. I will kind of like jot it down, but I don't remember like details and stuff like that, you know? Mm. Well, what advice would you give to aspiring writers? Pretty much just what I said, you know, take everything in your life. You just write. Even if you can't write, like you don't have a pen or something around you, use notes on your phone or anything, you know, just write. Just try to get it out. Whether you're a writer or a musician or whatever, just get everything out and stay true to who you are and the story. And don't doubt yourself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a lot of doubt. We're like, oh, someone else probably already thought of the story. So I'm like, no, we all have stories in us. And even if they might be similar, they're always going to be told differently. Mm-hmm. Always. So, I mean, that's the case with anything in life, right? Like we can witness the same accident, but we'll see it from totally different perspectives or see things differently. Mm-hmm. You saw this part of it and I saw this part of it. I think that's why we all as humans belong together because we all see things from a different perspective. You know, it's beautiful. Like not everyone's wrong or right. You know what I mean? In that sense. So just remember that, oh, yeah, well, I wrote a story about vampires. Well, I wrote a story about vampires, too. Well, your story is probably different than my story. Like, there's so many people right now with stories where the main character's name is Sadie. (laughs) So (laughs) do you know what I mean? It's like, my Sadie's not your Sadie, Mm -hmm. but just be true to your story and don't worry about everyone else's story or being like as good as them or writing like them. Just be who you are. Don't succumb to imposter syndrome. Yes. (laughs) You know, it's not something that's just exclusive to writing. My fiance has a master's in psychology and one of her professors, I believe, did a dissertation on imposter imposter syndrome. Yes. Like she's encountered it that much in academia as well as I think she I forget what else she was involved with. Yeah, it's like, it's not just, oh, you know, yeah, writers, they get this thing called imposter syndrome. It's like all over the so place. So it's part, it's something in the human psyche. Mm-hmm. It's something, maybe it has something to do with a competitive, because we all kind of have a competitive spirit. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, they're better than me, or they're faster than me. But you internalize it. Mm-hmm. You're no good. Yeah. You suck. Or, you know, that's shit, you know, uh-huh. do it again, or something like that. Like, there's something, and it's really kind of fascinating, actually. <laughs> I would uh-huh. really like to read that dissertation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. it's crazy that we do these things to ourselves in our minds. I think we're kind of changing though. We have a lot more of empowering things. Now people are like starting to do more positive affirmations, more like people are starting to get on board with that because it's like, it's so draining to be so negative about yourself. And it's like for so many years, we've just been those people who compare ourselves get down on ourselves for not being like that person or this person, you know, and it's like, it's not healthy. That's why I'll start a day with affirmations. You are this, you are that, you know, all the positive things or looking at yourself and saying, you know, you're going to kick ass today, (laughs) you know, even that just, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Uh yeah, I love it. I love that positivity. Well, we've talked about your writing. We've talked about family. We've talked about childhood. Is there anything about you that the average person, after having maybe listened to this episode or just knows you, would never suspect or assume? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> um, 
If I hadn't heard you say it already, I would say that you play Duke Nukem. <laughs> right? I love Duke Nukem. Oh, also, yeah, I'm a huge Mickey Rourke fan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, he played uh, Bukowski, didn't he? Yes, in, in Barfly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. In Barfly. And, yeah, I used to have a Mickey Rourke website. I mean, it's actually still up, but it's not active. I haven't been on it since, like, 2012. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he's that guy. So... Yes, I love Mickey Rourke. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's, you know, <laughs> pretty much it. Okay. Probably people probably there's people who know me that know that, but there's some people who don't have no clue that huge Mickey Rourke fan. So Okay. Yeah. It's awesome. Well, if there's one thing you want people to take away from the pain eater, what would that be? To believe in yourself and that the power resides in you. I think that she spent too long for certain reasons, you know, that she didn't know that she was special. And I believe that we're all special and some of us doubt ourselves and just and just to be kind and be good people (laughs) to one (laughs) another. And if you can help people help, that's it. That's like that's the premise of it. Just be true to yourself and be good to people. All right. The pain eater in a nutshell. Well, Shane, it has been a pleasure talking with you. It's such a pleasure talking to you, too. Thank you so much for inviting me on this. I had so much fun. Thank you. Likewise. As we bring the show to a close, is there anything you'd like to plug or let your readers know about? Well, Magic Man, look out for that. And also, I want to say, if you can, support indie authors and self-publishing. Like, There's so many good ones out there, so many good people, and they work so hard. They're following their passions. It's like a surge of just beautiful writers out there. And so go out there and buy their books and read their stories and pass it on. So that's what I say. That's my plug. (laughs) Well, listeners at home, all links will be in the description. And Lashane, thank you again for joining me. Thank you so much, Vincent. Thank you. And thank you to everyone that tuned in. If you liked today's episode, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Stay healthy, stay sane, and as always, thank you for listening. See you next time.
on the star.